Welcome to Quest, where we believe a great faith, great church experience, and great life is grounded in authentic relationship with God and living life with friends. Join us today in changing our world one friendship at a time. If you would like more information about connecting at Quest, stay tuned after the message. So, how many of you here have ever experienced getting the wind knocked out of you? Quite a few of you. I can still feel what it was like, and I can still picture the face of the guy who knocked the wind out of me when he was standing over me on the ground. I was a fifth grader at church camp, and uh, I ran full head on into a counselor going after a fly ball, which to this day I swear I called for the ball. But I lay there on the ground not being able to breathe. It's a pretty scary feeling, isn't it? It reminds me of a time when my oldest son, which he just, uh, my phone was blowing up right before I came up on here in the text chat with my family. He was saying, Dad, you used me in an illustration. You didn't ask permission, so you owe me five bucks. Venmo it, Venmo it to me. Um, he started choking as an infant. And I was really, uh, our hearts dropped. My wife didn't know what to do. I, my hearts dropped. But I happened to remember that when we were in Lama's class, they actually taught us how to do the Heimlich properly on a baby. And so I did it. And it worked. And he started breathing again, but for the next few days, my wife and I would walk into this bedroom when he was sleeping, and we would just watch him breathe. Why? Because we know that breath equals life. I mean, it's why first responders consistently check people's airways when they arrive on an accident scene a lot of times. It's why when you board a plane and the pre-flight speech goes, we all know it if we've, if we've done it, in case of emergency, an oxygen mask will fall from the overhead compartment. Secure your mask first before helping anyone else. Because if you can't breathe, you can't help anyone else to breathe either. Because we know that breath equals life. It's true in our physical life. It's true in our spiritual lives as well. We all go through times in our lives when we are less than enthusiastic, like the wind has been taken out of our sails spiritually. I'm not talking about necessarily the times that we're hard-hearted and cynical, although we may go through those times as well. I'm talking about more about people who want to follow God, but we're going through a season of dryness, of disconnection. We keep showing up. We keep doing the right things. We feel dry, lifeless, and like there's no wind in our sails. And this is why Jesus said, I've got good news for you. On the night before he went to the cross, he said to his disciples, I'm going away and I'm sending you my Holy Spirit. And this is going to be better for you than if I were to stay face to face with you. Again, for many of us, we haven't necessarily experienced what that better is with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we think Jesus being in the flesh would be better. But that's the reason we're in this series titled Come Holy Spirit. We're spending time becoming more aware of who the Holy Spirit is, that he's a person. He's not just a force, not just a bolt of electricity or power. A person. He's a person who's here to help you. He's a person who wants to know you and you to know him, a person who wants to lead you, and he dwells within you as a follower of Jesus. The Bible has several clear images for the Holy Spirit. One is water and one is the image of breath. So before we jump further, to give credit, we're pulling on some teachings today for how we talk about it from the Bible Project and Tyler Statton. To see this image, we have to go back again to the beginning. We're sure we've been going to the beginning every week. So let's start again in Genesis 1.1. It says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. 
Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So we see the Spirit of the, the Holy Spirit was present in the beginning at creation. Not in some mystical, new agey way like has, has been added over time, but in the original language, the Hebrew is for spirit is ruach, which means spirit, or it actually means breath, more literally. We see the Spirit or the breath of God was hovering over the waters. As we mentioned before in a previous message, Water is, in the ancient world was something that was feared. It was seen as uh, chaos. And so we could actually say that this verse is telling us that God was breathing on the chaos. And then as God br- br- speaks his breath over unformed chaos, he speaks creation into being. And Genesis goes on to say, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God continues to speak, and we see day and night created along with land and sea and animals. All of life comes from God's voice, his breath. And we see God creating through the Holy Spirit. When God's Spirit breathes out, when God's Spirit speaks, something happens. Life is created. And we go on to see God created humankind in his own image, male and female. And it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So God created us as the pinnacle of his creation. To have dominion, it says in another verse, to subdue, to have authority over this earth. God created humans to participate with God's spirit in bringing order to chaos. Subjecting the wild and unruly to bring order and beauty out of it. And we see more of his authority and how it operates in Genesis 2. He goes on and says, Then the Lord God formed a man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. God breathed into humanity life. Why? Why would God give his breath, his spirit to people? Well, it's to reemphasize how God created people different than any other created being, for one, We are given God's breath to abide in us, to speak God's word over this world is the other reason, to help keep bringing his life and his order to chaos. See, from the very foundation of creation, we were meant to be unified and empowered and relationally connected to the Holy Spirit. Jesus' work of pouring the Spirit out on us is a part of returning us to how we were originally created to live. However, we all know the story. We see Adam and Eve eating of the one tree of the fruit that's forbidden and disobeying God because they think it will bring more freedom, and instead it brings bondage, and we have the fall into sin, separating us from being unified with the Holy Spirit because God's holiness and sin cannot coexist. Now, this Hebrew word ruach continues to show up through the Bible, where God continues to reinforce his promise of breathing his life into our fallen world. It's the theme of Job and Psalms and Isaiah and Zechariah and Ezekiel, where we've been spending a lot of time. We're going to spend some more time there because it's so rich and full. We previously talked about Ezekiel's image of water and describing the Holy Spirit. And today, we're going to look at Ezekiel's, another of Ezekiel's vision. Through this vision, 
we continue to see how God is so determined to pursue us. How he continually fights for you and me to bring us into right relationship with him and all of his goodness into our lives. God is a redeemer and his passion is to bring redemption. And his strategy is to continue to speak life over his creation, speak life over his people. And that's why God in the Old Testament uses prophets. God selected certain people to communicate through for a particular time and a purpose. He would breathe his spirit upon them in a way that was similar to creation. God speaks through Ezekiel in this moment to a time when Israel had consistently turned away from God for generations, leading them to be attacked by Babylon, leaving Jerusalem destroyed in ruins. It would be like Washington, D.C. being ransacked or our capital destroyed along with the White House being burned down or... Maybe for us in the Buckeye country to be more like the shoe being destroyed and us having to play football games at that place up north. I don't know. The Jews, yeah, I got a good boo there. All right. The Jews were then marched 700 miles to Babylon, exiled there for 70 years. And the people were devastated. All had been lost. It was a dark chapter in Israel's life that God speaks these words of life through Ezekiel to of how God would once again gather his people, bring them back to the land, and give them a new heart and a new spirit in them. Then God brings Ezekiel on this wild field trip of a vision. By the way, in the, in the vision that we're about to read, the word for breath and spirit, ruach, is used nine times here in Ezekiel 37. The same word God used to breathe life into Adam. So I want you to picture in your mind Ezekiel's vision as I, as I read what he writes. It says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and saw, I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. So you got that picture in your mind? It's a valley full of human Bones, dry, lifeless, long, dead bones. This is a different kind of cemetery than you've ever been in. And Ezekiel is walking around among them. There's no life to be found. And that's when God asks the question. He says, God asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. That's a great answer. I think it's one of the best answers in Scripture. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. So in the vision, it says, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone, and I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, and there, but there was no breath in them. So the bones are all reconnected, joints, muscle, tissue, skin, but they don't have breath. There's no evidence of beating human hearts or breathing lungs. Then God said to me, he said, goes on in the, in the, to describing the vision, he says, prophesy to the breath. 
prophesy, Son of Man, and say to it, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. And they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. What a vision, huh? This is a reenactment of Genesis. When God breathed into Adam's lungs and he came alive. God was saying, I'm going to send my spirit again to my people, just like I did at first in creation. And God had Ezekiel being the one who would speak it into being. And that vision becomes real in the person of Jesus. Mark begins his gospel telling us how when Jesus shows up, he teaches in a way different than others. It says the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law taught. This word authority means someone who has the ability and power to act, to do something. So when they saw Jesus spoke with authority, they meant his words were laced and linked to God's power. God speaks because he wants to act. We saw in creation, God said, let there be light, and there's light. One of the first things people noticed about Jesus was his words he breathed had power to make things happen. When Jesus says, stand up and walk, people who were crippled got up and walked. When Jesus says, let the blind see, they saw. When the woman was caught in adultery and was bound by the law to be stoned and put to death in her shame and all of her fear in life, Jesus says to her, does no one condemn you? Neither do I. Go and sin no more. And then there's Lazarus, a friend laid lifeless for days in a tomb. And when Jesus says with his breath, Lazarus, come out, God refilled Lazarus' cold body with breath again. Ezekiel's vision was being seen literally, walked out right in front of them in Jesus. Next, we see what Jesus has been moving us all toward, how the Spirit would fill us as people. On the first evening after Jesus is resurrected, his disciples are in the upper room behind a locked door in fear that they too might be arrested just like Jesus was. And into the middle of this room, Jesus walks in and appears and says this. He says, peace be with you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathes on them. In the same way that God breathed life into Adam, in the same way that Ezekiel spoke life into the dry bones, Jesus breathes on his followers. There are no conditions or preconditions to this invitation, no hoops to jump through. Jesus breathed on them all, even those who had betrayed him and run away from him. And Jesus told his followers then, this promise that I have just breathed on you, wait in Jerusalem and at the perfect time, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What Jesus promised in John 20, we then see happening in Acts 2, where it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind, a violent breath, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So, tongues of floating fire, supernatural speaking in tongues. Crazy. But is it? Jesus promised them his breath, his spirit, his ruach. And they started to speak. Just like in Genesis with the Holy Spirit hovering and God speaks and creation happens, just like the Spirit did in the Valley of Dry Bones vision, and now Jesus was provided for the Holy Spirit to live and breathe and each and every one who chooses to follow him. Not just for the spiritual elites, it's for everyone. And the early church used their breath and they spoke. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. People's lives were changed. Words of knowledge and prophecy were given. Diseases were healed. People were brought to repentance. It wasn't perfect. They weren't perfect. They still had issues as people. Sometimes they did it in the wrong way and didn't hear accurately. But this is where we are today. We are still living out the book of Acts. The divine breath that was in the lungs of the early church is in you and I today. And it leads me to relook at a verse where it says, The tongue has the power of life and death from Proverbs. See, God created us. He breathed in us to use our words with intention and purpose in concert with the Holy Spirit to bring life all around us. One of the ways God speaks life is through prophecy or a word of knowledge. For example, I remember years and years ago, Wendy was in a difficult job situation where she had, navigate, she would, had been navigating some really difficult relational dynamics for a number of years. I know, I get it, I'm her spouse, I might be biased, but I think I'm really pretty objective in this one. She was treated really unfairly. Her bosses weren't mean, but they had misjudged her, and they'd handled communication very poorly, indirectly. When she tried to bring up concerns on a number of occasions, she was fired on more than one occasion, then rehired the next day. One time, without telling her, they demoted her, and she only discovered it by walking into her office, and somebody was already in her office and had moved all of her stuff out. And that's how she found out she'd been demoted. It was a difficult roller coaster. But she felt like God was saying, Stay committed. You're here. I've called you here. And she didn't want to dishonor her bosses, so she didn't complain about them publicly. Our friends, our good friends, never knew anything about this. She stayed silent in this Christian workplace where she felt judged professionally and spiritually. One day the organization brought someone in to pray over the team, someone who had, had never met any of us, who didn't know anything about us or the dynamics going on. In the meeting, he was praying for each staff member. We were all there. I was there with her. And quietly, without anyone else being able to hear, including her bosses, this prophetically gifted person just leaned over whispered in Wendy's ear so only she and I could hear. She said, he said, God sees you have been misunderstood. With those words, she and I both melted in tears. The Holy Spirit was so present. 
just to affirm in a way that was so personal that God saw her, God knew her, God knew her heart, that she wasn't being disrespectful. God valued how she was trying to continue to work in this atmosphere in a way that honored God, even with those who had hurt her. Those words breathed life into Wendy, and it brought healing. See, the Holy Spirit knows how to put his finger on just the right spot where we need life and we need healing. Jesus came to reveal the heart of the Father to us. And the Spirit was given to help take the teachings of Jesus from just head knowledge to our hearts, and even more than that, from intellectually understanding to heart understanding to personal experience and encounter with God. That is what Paul's trying to say and communicate to us when he says God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit helps us not only gain a logical understanding of God, but helps us gain a more emotional and experiential connection and understanding of God. The Holy Spirit helps us know more deeply, more personally, the love of God. The book of Isaiah is just incredible, packed full of so many things. And one of, one of, them, one of his other visions speaks to another thing where God saw his people and said, I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your naked body. I gave you my solemn oath and entered into a covenant with you, declares the sovereign Lord, and you became mine. Now, there's Old Testament meaning behind that, but basically what's happening is it's saying God is taking this person who has been rejected and adopting them and marrying them. That's what's happening in this text. God is using a sexual metaphor as he is reiterating his covenant with his people. God wants his people to not only know how he loves us, but to experience his love. In Hebrew, the word know is a, is a word that means more than intellect and understanding. It's meant a, as more of a relational, experiential encounter of understanding. That's why when the word no is used in the Old Testament, it's often used as a euphemism for sexually intimate, being sexually intimate with someone like Adam knew Eve and she conceived and bore Cain. That's a relational, experiential kind of knowing. The Holy Spirit was given to you so that you may know and experience everything about God. So the Holy Spirit gives us more of a connection to who God is. And then through this connection, the Holy Spirit empowers us and gives us his breath, his ruach, so that we too can live and speak in ways that bring God's love and healing to other people as well. We saw in the other church, it said all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. God breathed into them. God breathes into you and brings you alive so that you can speak God's heart to others as well. There's something about speaking that is vital to living our faith. Going back to Ezekiel's vision, I've never seen a vision like that. I've never seen a scene like that where there's all these dead bones. But what I have seen is how people have come and said, I have no meaning in life and I don't want to live anymore. 
I've sat with people whose lives were empty, rubbed raw by addiction and substance abuse. And I've sat with people who were struggling with emptiness in their lives, coming from seeking fulfillment in a job, but never feeling like they were good enough, never feeling like they were successful enough. And it just, life was meaningless. I've also at times looked in the mirror and seen a man whose faith was dry and wondered if I could again find the joy of following God. We may appear to have life, but apart from the Spirit, there is no fullness of life. It's the Spirit of God that reassembles the bones and turns them into living beings who takes the dryness and creates life out of it. There was something about Ezekiel speaking this life over the dry bones. When he spoke, the dead came to life. How do we do what Ezekiel and Jesus and the early church did? I mean, this could be as simple as Speaking your heart over your job or your marriage or your kids' lives or your neighbors' lives or speaking life over them. But how, how do you speak life? As I mentioned above, God uses his divine breath to give words of, of prophecy. Prophecy for some makes you nervous. That word makes you nervous. Don't let it make you nervous. It's all, all throughout the Bible. It's everywhere in the Bible. So why would that make us nervous? It's simply where we listen and hear God's voice for others. And we pass that along. Maybe it's to an individual or maybe it's to a group. We'll be doing another message on that in the series coming up of understanding more of that and how we can turn our ear towards God to hear him and help strengthen and encourage others as we hear him. And we're going to actually hear from stories of a number of of you who have experienced that in your life. So you get to hear other people's encounters and experience with God in that way. But for today, for today, let's just not go there right now. Let's just start more simply. And that simple is simply to align ourselves with the heart of God. It can be as simple as encouragement. When you notice something good, encouraging somebody that they've done well, encouragement means to give support or confidence. Scripture says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing Encourage literally means to put courage into someone else. You are joining with God and speaking his heart over someone else, his good, his potential into someone else. It's more than just saying a good job. I mean, that can be encouraging, but it's more than that. I want to encourage you to get specific. Like if you're in a meeting or something and somebody runs it well, just say to them, hey, you ran a fantastic meeting that was difficult. You dealt with some difficult things really well. You kept everything on board and you just did a really good job. I see how you do that really well. Or you can take it a step further and you can encourage by blessing who someone is. I remember hanging out with some friends a while back, and someone just shifted the conversation. It was all just kind of fun, and all of a sudden they just shifted the conversation, telling, of one, telling one of our friends how they noticed the way he lived his life with integrity, and they gave some examples, how he supported his spouse, how he stayed focused and caring about people in his work, and how he cared about his friends, and they gave a bunch of examples about that. And these words just simply changed the entire atmosphere of the room. The person sharing wasn't trying to make a big deal out of it. It was just them expressing their heart. 
It might have been a gift of prophecy if, if God had been prompting them to say, you need to be saying this, but it, but it might have just been them expressing what they knew. Practicing encouragement, which is something God calls us to do. I know it can feel a little bit weird doing that because some of us aren't used to saying all sorts of positives or, or receiving all sorts of positives, but let's, let's get past that. Let's become the most encouraging people on the face of the planet. When we do encourage and affirm, we are using the divine breath God has given us. And we are participating with the Holy Spirit to speak life over others. The life God is wanting to create more fully in them. So how do you use your breath in this way? The point of this message is the Holy Spirit has been given to each and every one of us as followers of Jesus. We often complicate the receiving of the Holy Spirit. We come up with all these ways of saying, oh, there's 10 steps to receiving the Holy Spirit. But here's the deal. We get the Holy Spirit from the get-go, from whenever we believe in who God says he is and we receive his forgiveness and we say we're going to make him the leader of our life. At that moment, you receive the Holy Spirit. Now, you do need to nurture it because if you ignore it, you won't even know it's there. But it is there. You need to grow in your awareness of the Holy Spirit, but he is always present. The Holy Spirit is working to help connect our hearts more fully to the truths of Jesus, to help us experience more fully God's love for us. The Holy Spirit helps deepen our understanding of Jesus' teachings from our heads to our hearts to our life that we live out and we see it right in front of us. And we get to be carriers of God's life to bring healing to others, often through the words we speak. So how do we walk this out? Worship team, come on back up. Well, I want to encourage you throughout this whole series to pray the simple prayer that's the title of the, title of the series. Come Holy Spirit. Pray it multiple times throughout the day. Say, come Holy Spirit. Make me more aware of your presence. Make me more aware of what you're doing right now. Make me more aware of your leading. Help me to see where you're at in my life today. But for right now, let's just maybe pause and let the Holy Spirit do what he does best. And let's just, we're going to put three questions up on the screen. And whichever question most relates to you or hits you, I want you to just take a couple moments and say, what do you want to say to me about that, Holy Spirit? How do you want to be to me in relation to that question? First question is, how is thinking about the Holy Spirit as God's breath of life helpful to you? Second question is, where do you need the Holy Spirit to breathe life into you, to refill you? Where are you dry? Where are you disconnected? Where do you need life breathed into you? Or maybe the third question. Who is God's Spirit asking you to join with Him in speaking life over someone to encourage and bless them? So I'm just going to give you about 30 seconds, however you want to pause. If you want to close your eyes, you don't have to. And just ask, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me right now?
thank you for your spirit that you send it to us that you give it to us that in Jesus you have cleared the way that the holy and my own holy can be together because you've forgiven me you've forgiven us Lord I just ask that you would make us more aware each and every day each and every moment of your presence with us Holy Spirit that you would come among us that we would know your voice, that we would know your power, we would know your goodness, we would know your love, we would know your leading and your direction more than we ever have. Lord, that we would see the life that you breathe into existence all around us. And that, Lord, we would become humbly confident in speaking the words of the Holy Spirit to others they would experience your life. Lord, we just welcome your presence among us. Lord, for the ways we come and just want uh, an intellectual thought or an experience of that nature, Lord, we just repent and we ask that you would show us your presence. We hope you encountered the love of Jesus in this message. If you'd like to be a part of the ministry God is doing through Quest, whether in person or online, go to questvineyard.org for more information. If you want to worship God by supporting Quest financially, go to questvineyard.org slash give. May God bless you this week as you partner with God to change the world one friendship at a time.